So, uh, so back in October, the state of Nebraska's tourism board had uh, a serious problem on their hands. It's Nebraska. And uh, they, uh, they, they, they consistently went for four years dead last in states that people were interested in visiting. Did I even hear? Did anyone hear from Nebraska? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you guys coming, I'm like, ooh, it's maybe a little awkward. I see someone at Saturday night service that was totally caught me off guard. I thought, ooh, <laughs> I don't know you, but I'm so sorry for what I'm about to say. Um, so the people from Nebraska are lovely, but no one wanted to visit their state because Nebraska. So, um, it doesn't exactly top my list of must-see states in, 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 this, uh, in this great country that we have. Uh, it's more of uh, an obligatory check mark on um, places that I would like to just be all taking seriously, kind of like one of those drive-through sort of situations. Um, and so when faced with this problem of no one really wanting to, to, to visit the state of Nebraska, they came up with what I think is an absolutely brilliant ad campaign. They came up with a new state campaign now. Their, their, their previous slogan was, visit Nebraska, visit nice. And that was just about as boring as what I would imagine having to actually step foot in the state of Nebraska. So, this spring, they're going to be rolling out with this new slogan. And it, 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 I guess it's gone live now. You might have actually come across this. I don't know how far they're, they're broadcasting this. <laughs> this new slogan is Nebraska. Honestly, it's not for everyone. <laughs> and I read this and thought, this can't be real. And you know, I thought this was something from like the Onion or, or the Babylon Bee, some sort of satire news, but it was brutally honest, and it, it is the real tourism now. <laughs> and I loved it. I don't know if it's just my self-deprecating humor or what. I, just, I absolutely loved it. Um, and it, it, it's, it's been stuck in my head since I've since I heard it. And as we continue our family series, talking about the relationship roadmap that God has laid out for all of humanity, this tagline of, honestly, it's not for everyone, just rattling around in my head. Because I think we can be prone to this, this isn't for me, sort of attitude, when it comes to God's Word, if we get challenged by it. Because, you know, I think we all have our own idea of how relationships are supposed to go. We have our own experiences that, 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 that have worked for us and, and, and some that haven't worked for us. So, we're just kind of prone to following our own guidelines. And, and, and sometimes it works out, and other times we have a relationship that just ends up actually a disaster. And we're left to along the thinking, well, what happened? What did I do wrong? How could I mess this up so badly? And, and I kept thinking of, of, of this, this question matter, this concept not for everyone. In relationship to what we're talking about, the Ten Commandments, I thought, the Ten Commandments, honestly, they're not for everyone. No, absolutely not. They're not just for believers. This is something that God has created all of humanity. It's applicable to anyone who is a believer who isn't a believer. Anyone who's seeking out to have a, a strong and ideal relationship that God has, has given us needs to follow the, the, the framework that He's given us. God lays out the framework for relationships that are applicable to all of humanity. And, and, and now we ultimately know that we're going to fall short. We ultimately know that we're not going to be able to keep God's perfect law. And arguably the biggest reason for God's law is to point out the desperate need that we have for a Savior in which He's given to us in Jesus Christ. But that doesn't give us a free pass. It doesn't mean that 
to follow these in the I can't possibly keep these things. And God's not trying to trick us here. He isn't, he, he, he's laying out this guideline for ideal relationships founded in his very love and, and how he intended them to be. Because God created everything on this earth. Everything God created. There are hands involved in, in, in God made it. And he knows us all way more intimately than we can even begin to know ourselves. So knowing that, I'd like to think that the creator of absolutely everything has a pretty good idea of, of how to have a good relationship and how relationships should work in, 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 his, in his creation between the people of his creation. And, and, and if you want to have healthy relationships, if you want to be blessed, then you can say that this is what you need to, to, to strive to achieve. But so we might look at these commands and we might say, well, God, I've got a unique situation I'm not going through. You know, I, I don't think you, you really understand exactly what it is that I'm going through. Or you don't really know my current situation. You must not understand how to be expecting to, to follow these guidelines and to speak to these ideas in, in, in my current situation. Or we might simply just kind of take these things that God is commanding us to granted. Or we might just look at the list and say, I've never murdered anyone before, so I guess I'm good to go. And, I mean, like, that's a good bar to set, too, by the way, in a relationship. Well, I haven't killed you yet, so we're, uh, we're fantastic. Jesus would actually raise that bar, you know, in Matthew 5, and says, look, if, if you're going to be angry with somebody, you're going to think they're going And what he's pointing out to the Pharisees is that it's more than just following these obligatory rules. Because this isn't like a list of rules that we're supposed to follow. This is a framework that God is laying out for us to this ideal relationship in, in, in order for us to live as He intended us to live. And so I believe the commandment, honor your father and mother, which is really what He's saying in the day that they is very, it's very easy to have one of these two responses to this command. Either way, God, you have no, have you met my parents? There is very no way I can bring honor to, to, to these people. Or not just kind of pass their sense of, yeah, of course, and just who doesn't love their parents, right? And, and, and kind of maybe celebrate by them buying the card and safari because of their understanding they told us to do that. But what, what ends up happening is, is, is the fact of these attitudes is we kind of just brush aside what God has intended for a good, healthy relationship. And we just elevate our own feelings and our own disposition over what it is that God is telling us to do. So, so as we dive into the relationship between us and our parents and, and, and the command that God gives, I think it's natural to ask the question, well, what does it mean to give honor? In our Western society, we don't really use honor the way that other parts of the world will do when it comes to, to, to honoring our parents, honoring the people that are above us in authority. And, and I remember, like, in my immature faith, when, when I was in Sunday school, uh, I, I just kind of meant that this, this, this meant obey. And I think that's where it was kind of taught to, too. It's a very good lesson to teach for your kids to just, you know, it's what your parents say. This is, this is, this is what the commandment is. And once I kind of got out of Sunday school and, and I grew up, I, I sort of remained in the immature state of my understanding of this because we never really talked about it again. It was just this obey. Do what mom and dad tell you to do. But it means so much more. What for sure just doesn't mean do what you're told. You know, while obedience might be part of the equation, it doesn't end there. This is, this is more than just a lesson to little children to, to clean their room and do their homework. But this is to everybody, regardless of their age and the state of life that, that we find ourselves in. God is speaking to each and every one of us. Right now. 
And, and so when we look at the word honor, the, the Hebrew translation to the word comes from the Hebrew word kaved, which means weighty or, or, or heavy. And, and just like in English, this word can have multiple applications. You can, you can, you can use it literally to mean there's something that's heavy to pick up, or, or there's a burden or that we're trying to carry. But we can also use it figuratively as well, which means to give someone due or, or, or respect or the value of the word to put significance into that relationship. You know, there's something special about that status. There's there's heaviness to it. It, it, It's often that person using investments to give him glory to God, to give him God's significance, to give him God's weight, to give him honor. So in the context of of, of Chabad, God's instruction is to give weight, respectful consideration, significance, and and, and to hold up the importance of him. Because God intended that relationship to be special and different than any other relationship that we're ever going to have on this earth. You know, we honor our parents at the most basic level because it's foundational to all other relationships. It's, 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 it's the first relationship we're ever going to have. It, 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 it's so unique. There's significance there. I mean, from a parent's perspective, being a parent is hard. It's really hard because it's you, you give up so much, your life completely turns upside down. I, I was really, when Michael was born, uh, my dad and I were, were in his garage and we just got off of some chicken. And he uh, told me, you know, there's nothing like your first child. And you know, he went on to say, look, it's not that you're going to love any other kids more or less, you're going to love this one more, but with your first, it's different. It's different. And I was trying to like relate with him, but I knew it was just something I was going to have to experience, and we were going to experience it in shortly. And and it was pretty as words. Michael came, and 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 Abby and I's life was just completely turned upside down. The the, the things that seemed to capture the majority of my thoughts and my attention and my energy, the things I wanted to give attention and energy to, I couldn't do that anymore. And it was a bit of a conflict, and, and this weight and responsibility that was put on the shoulders was almost almost overwhelming. And I just kept thinking, as we're getting ready to leave the hospital, I'm like, they're going to let us leave with this kid. And how is this, how, I, I can't believe they're just going to let us walk out of here with this baby. They're just going to let us take him home. Like, shouldn't someone be stopping me? Isn't there at least a test I should be taking? So they wouldn't let me drive on the road when I was 16 until I proved myself competent with the state of Michigan. But here I am with a human life, and they're just like, all right, bye, have a nice day. I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm going to take this home now. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and in an instant, so much strength. And there was a massive weight and responsibility and, and things that I, just, I had to put on the background now because it was time to be a parent. And, and some people can't handle that weight. And that, and that responsibility, I didn't want to be one of those people. And I knew that I was going to have to give a part of myself up for the good of my boys. And, and my hope is, is, as they grow up, that, that they are, at the very least, able to recognize the sacrifices that Abby and I have made out of the unconditional love we have for them. Now, I think that's what we're going to start. That, that's where it's a different kind of, of, of significance and relationship because it's just to be able to sacrifice. And at the most basic level, when we honor our parents, we honor them by recognizing that they, they brought us into the world. God, God brought these two people together to make you. Be fruitful and multiply is basically the only commandment that God's given humanity that we've done a really good job of. You know, we kind of knocked that one out of the park. That was an easy one to hit. 
it's pretty basic, I know, but but without your parents, there would be no use. And, and we like you. We were glad that you're here. And, and you wouldn't be here if it, if it wasn't for your parents. And, and, you know, if you're someone that, that, that struggles with, with this command, this is a place to start. That's what it says. But many parents have sacrificed too much for our good. Like, when I try to calculate how much money I'd actually have to owe my parents if I decided to pay them back for the music lessons I took as a kid growing up, I just stopped at, like, thousands of dollars. And, like, compared to, like, me. <laughs> and that was just one thing. We did a ton of stuff. And, and, and that doesn't count like, the, the, the bare expenses of, of, of feeding and clothing and housing and, 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 and loving and just giving of yourself. And the running back and forth and the organizing of schedules and, and everything that is involved. And it's why we take a day like today. It's happening to things like our mothers. We remember our mothers and the women in our lives who have given so much for us. And I think because of that, it's a great time to do stop and respect and ask, am I honoring my parents? Is, is, what, is what is coming out of my mouth from my heart? And, and do my actions respect what it is that I'm saying? Honor is, uh, is both present in our attitude and in our actions. And, and Jesus reminds the Pharisees of this in, uh, in our second gospel reading from today. <laughs> oh, the first one's pretty, uh, you can apply that one pretty well, too. It's, it's cool how God switched that way. Because you're going to be blessed. And we'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, so, so Jesus is calling out the Pharisees uh, for being hypocrites, again, and, and adding their own tradition that essentially kind of negated God's command to honor your, your father and your mother. And, and this is very typical for the Pharisees who are highly legalistic and they would honor all these man made traditions that they had because. So-and-so's rabbi had said this, and his rabbi had said it, and his rabbi, and his rabbi, so you, you honor all of these traditions. And, and, and the specific tradition that Jesus is calling them out for to be hypocritical is this vow called Kodabon. And, and this uh, was essentially this type of offering that was uh, this religious vow that a Jewish son would, would dedicate his heirs and belongings that would normally be devoted to taking care of his parents. He would kind of make himself look godly and say, well, yeah, I'm such a godly man, I'm going to give all of this to the temple and, and to God. This is all earmarked for God. But it, it, on the surface, it looks good, but then it's tough as tough. The offering didn't really have to go for religious purposes, and they actually didn't need to give up this until they had died. So they basically just kind of paraded around making themselves look all holy and stuff, when they were just being selfish and hanging on to all of their stuff until they were done with it, and no one else could, could have it. And then when they were done, it was like whatever. And this is, this is huge because we have to remember that at this time, there, there really wasn't the retirement support for people and, and for, for their parents. They wouldn't have been pulling in a social security or a 401k or anything like that. The family unit stayed together. And this is, you know, the parents were and housed and cared for a young child who was otherwise unable to provide for themselves, those roles would be flipped as the child entered into adulthood and the parents uh, aged and, and, and they were no longer able to, to support themselves and the child themselves and take care of themselves. So that was the son's duty. So when it came to, to the law of honoring their parents, these guys were basically just offering up lip service. You know, they said, oh, yeah, 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 you know, we honor our parents. And they seemed to be bound by this bogus man-made Law that completely missed the spirit of God's law to honor their parents. It was this outside of a totally veiled attempt 
in order to just kind of circumvent and disregard what it is that others really clearly want to do. It's completely the point. So when it came to the law of, of, of honoring their parents, they wanted to just ask them what church they did. And what Jesus was saying is that we don't show honor by offering up good words. Our actions and the motives of our heart will ultimately dictate what it is where our honor, where if we're even honoring at all. And this isn't just in relationship with our parents either. This is between us and God as well, and really any other relationship that we're going to have. And I know this, this command is not easy for a lot of people. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget very early, I think like the first month or so in, of, of my ministry, we were, we were at a college in the curriculum that someone had given me, and uh, we were we lined up at the high school talking about this one thing. And so we're going through this, and, and, and we got to this command, okay, and good luck with it. And we're going through and taking this lesson, and it was turning out to be well. We were kids that were, if you would otherwise kind of roll their eyes at their parents, who can sort of be angry or whatever, uh, really start to open up and, and, and talk about, like, oh, I really need to honor my parents. It was hard, but now I don't say that enough. And it was just turning into a really good conversation, and I was thinking that this work comes with as well. And then all of a sudden, this one kid spoke up. He said, my biological father abandoned me. I've only met him a handful of times, but the man is a piece of human being. He had to make very strong words to say it wasn't just that. And he, uh, he looked right at me and said, he did not deserve my honor at all. And I, and I didn't know how to respond. I, I, just, I just completely caught up here because that was so far from my reality. You know, I, I, I was very blessed to have, have, have two uh, wonderful, loving parents, and, and you know, they really, really practically gave of themselves to my brother and I, and they were perfect, absolutely well, I'm sure they would tell you that, and, and you know, I'm, I'm sure if they could rewind some stuff, there would be things that, that they would definitely be over, but the reality is there are far too many people that can't relate with them, that they can relate with, with a parent that is just a, a negative experience, or even a, a traumatic relationship. And if you were at a uh, service two weeks ago when we had Pastor Paul Anderson, and he spoke to this term and, and used this term father wound. And, and, and that wound can be caused in, in many different ways. You know, when we speak with that weight and that responsibility, instead of stepping up, a parent might respond to abuse or neglect or ungodliness or just believing that the list can go on and on and on. So, so for someone who's carrying that kind of wound, when you read this command, it can be almost impossible to think of it. We can look at this and think, how, how can I how can you ask this of my God? How, how do I bring honor to, to someone who's inflicted pain and someone who rightfully does not deserve it? And even though I can't relate with, with that, I can certainly empathize. And, and if you're a person that falls in this category, I truly empathize. God did not intend for this relationship to look that way. A parent and a child's relationship could never look like this. And no matter the circumstances, no matter the behavior of the child, it could never warrant a parent reacting with this something that would cause a wound in their heart and their life. And in my prayer, for you that you can see to seek God, that you feel and display and to seek His voice. And the process begins with forgiveness. Regardless of the relationship, if we're struggling bitterness in our lives, it is going to be so detrimental to us. It's, it's been said that, that, that bitterness is, is like a poison that we drink and expect someone else to die. But the antidote for that is forgiveness. And ultimately, we forgive because we've been forgiven. 
giving honor doesn't mean to continue to engage in, in, in an abusive relationship. It, it, it doesn't mean in imitating ungodly parents or, or obeying uh, something that might contradict God's word. Instead, regardless of what our relationship might look like, it, it, it's important for even our parents to be strong. If our parents are believers or not, even if our parents are even with us, we still honor them. We honor them by praying to them. If that relationship is strong, we pray that God might intervene because we pray that God, who is a God of restoration, and so we pray that that restorative power be released on, on, on that relationship between us to be great for the kingdom. And if we're blessed to have a moment of relationship with our parents, then we need to have a moment of relationship with our parents because it is so special, it is so significant, and, and we keep praying and honoring them to, to prevent us from, from you know, taking for granted that relationship and, and really recognizing how special that bond is. And we can show them honor too by showing the strength. We're definitely not going to see eye to eye on things, especially as we get older, especially as our parents become peers in adulthood. We still need to honor the significance and the weight of that relationship because we might want to just call them off. Uh, we might want to treat them as if any other adult that, that, that we encounter in our lives, but it's hard not to respond in that way. We still honor by speaking positively and protecting their dignity. I'm not saying that it's like a change of them or, or, or ignoring wounds or living in denial, but, but rather, what we need to do is see God or see our parents the way God sees them. See them the way God sees us. By valuing them and modeling Jesus and, and showing forgiveness. That's all that Jesus has had us to find. It leads to freedom, it leads to peace. As opposed to how the world is honestly responding, it's really kind of anger and inner bitterness and inner frustration. But God's not out to trick us. He's in his distance words. He, he's not trying to pull on over us. He, he wants us. He wants us to be loved. He wants to love us. And, and he wants to walk with us. And he knows. He knows that these commands are going to be a threat for us to, to follow at times. Especially in a relationship that's as close as, as the relationship between a parent and a child. But this is how our faith grows. Our faith grows and God pulls us out of our comfort zone, we really have to start leaning on his understanding and, 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 and responding to his grace. That's how we develop a deeper faith and a deeper understanding of his work. Because God knows full well that our parents are going to be perfect. He knew that from the beginning. He knows that they are just as susceptible to brokenness and to sin as you and I are, but he still gives us these words. Because with this command, he also attaches a promise to it as well. And, and, and Paul will bring this to our attention in, in, in the sixth chapter of Ephesians. He says, if I am your father and your mother brings blessing into your life, because you are honoring God by living out what you have intended in that relationship and walking within the framework of that perfect ideal relationship and you bring them honor. And, and, and when we give them our, our parents the honor and the weight and the significance, what we ultimately end up doing is respecting the relationship between our heavenly father and his children. God has called us to be a reflection of him in the world. So just as we give our Heavenly Father honor and respect, we too give our earthly parents honor and respect and weight and significance. And when we do this, we're blessed. Wounds can be healed. Significance is given. Respect is given. We're respected. And significance is, is due. And I, I really believe that we've asked this in this family so we can truly catch a glimpse of what heaven is like. So the days we take time to honor our parents and, and honor our mothers, we reflect on what God has, has commanded us to do when it comes to navigating the relationship in this life. Especially that relationship between a child and a parent. 
So we ask God to be the first to see me for our faith. So he can, we can authentically give honor where we need. So let's pray for that now. Let's pray that there's a family in the body of Christ. Let's pray for 